Hello, my kings, queens, and in between, and welcome to the Divine Queries Podcast. This is the space where we embolden you to be who you are, wherever you are, and give you the tools and the resources and the magic to do so. So thank you for joining. My name is Shauna Williams, and I am the Mystical Minister, and I identify with the pronouns of she, her, and they, and I respect how you choose to identify. I am the author of The Spiritual Magic of a Queer POC, and I am excited to host this show for you with my guests that we have on. So grab you some tea and water and sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello, beauties, and welcome to today's episode on the distinction of grief and mourning and truly the discussion of grief and mourning. I do have a previous episode on allowing space of grief that you can listen to if you would like. And then also on May 5th, I was interviewed by Michelle Cassandra Johnson talking about grief as well. And so in today's episode, what brought this on was last night, I listened to or watched a summit online about grief and it was it really drew me because this is a line of expertise that I'm in and something that really calls to my heart and my life is the process of grief and being a supportive professional and person in the processes of grief. And there were tons that I did not agree with. This person is a professional and grief literacy and her story is her story and it's beautiful and she helps lots of people and supports lots of people but you know not every cup of tea is for everyone and not everything that she said was for me and so i want to share the things that i did align with and then speak into from my point of view um just the differences and and what's available to us for support so what i did align with was the distinction between grief and mourning. Um, I actually don't think that I ever had heard it put that way. In my body and in my speaking, I knew the difference. Um, But I may also have been collapsing them, so to speak. So I love that she gave voice and language to the distinction between grief and mourning. And allowing a space for mourning, totally agree and align with that. And then I agree and align with that it is a common process of life. It is absolutely normal. And as long as we are breathing in these lungs and in this body and this human experience, we will experience grief. And more so, we will experience death again and again and again. What I did not align with is that um, I truly felt that it gave grief and mourning a dark, ever-present, gloomy cloud that there is no true reprieve from. And I don't know if it's just like the personal experience or just the take that she had on grief, but I don't I don't share the same the same perspective. How I do look at it is that I have been a person who has experienced people taking their last breath, who have seen dead bodies and and ha- and I really view death as a transitional process and it's the next step for whatever they're going to do. And even if none of that is true, it's just an end to their experience in life here. 
And so what I really do get um, a little taken aback by are like when, when, um, or the things, the areas of death that I have the most questions are just kind of like kids um, killed violently or people killed violently and um, just like violent crimes, just very traumatic, atrocious deaths. Those are the ones that I'm like, oh, okay, I get that we all have to leave, but come on, let them just die in their sleep, you know? Um, so those are the ones where I get a little ugh about. Um, but, you know, like I've had, I've had my own experience of death and death and death and death and death. And in my family, um, I shared about the, the episode that I did on grief was, was prompted by the death of my granny. And so since then, that was in November, she passed away of 2019. Since then, my, my great aunt has passed away and my um, uncle has passed away. So my great aunt, we buried her on like March 22nd of this year. And then my father called me on the morning of my birthday at 4.30 a.m. in tears telling me that my uncle had just passed away. And so, you know, I, I could feel his pain. I knew his pain and I was with him as he cried and was with my family and supporting them in their process. And something that happened at my great aunt's funeral is that um, I believe it was a cousin of mine. She broke down and started to have this emotional attack. And she started saying, mama, 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 like, mama, please don't go. And they had buried her mom about a year ago, but my auntie Perlene was not her mother. And so I knew that she was experiencing an episode of grief. And this was when we were like the quarantine rules that started to come down very slowly. So it's like, you are to stay six feet away, have on masks, all of this stuff. No one except me looking all weird uh, was abiding by these rules. And I was presented with like a spiritual dilemma, so to speak. Um, I could hear this person out there and I'm like, okay, this is, this is my specialty. I know that I can go out and support them and hold space for them. Or do I stay in here? And I know there was like a swarm of people out there supporting her. Do I stay in here and just like do prayer work from here and stay seated? It, that was like a two minute internal conversation. If that I decided to go out and facilitate for her. And um, like calmed everyone down, calmed her down and just held space for her to cry. And the voices that around my fellow family, they were like, that's not your mom. Stop crying. You got to be strong. You got to be strong. You got to stay together. And I was like, sweet baby, you can fall apart. I was like, you can have all of the feelings that you are having. You don't have to be strong. You need to feel this. The reason why this is coming up is because you haven't allowed yourself to feel this. So you don't have to keep it together. You can fall apart. Just cry. If you need to cry, it's okay. And I just held her and like guided her through some breath and just allowed her to have that experience. And grief does come in waves. And as I said in my former podcast episode about grief is that grief can trigger grief. And so we can notice this, or I notice it at the end of a relationship. I start to feel the feelings of grieving that relationship, but then also past relationship stuff may come up and come in. 
And um, I experienced that very heavily. I had like the grandest <laughs> grief uh, wave come over me at the end of my, my marriage and just all of the, that that meant. And it was the death of how I did relationships, the death of how I related and the death of certain parts of me that were just killing me. And, and then like the, the aspects of my life that led me to even have those components of myself. So it was like all of these things were coming in and flooding through and I was grieving them. And it was like, I would allow myself to just be in my room, be in my altar and fall apart. So that's where the distinction comes in. So grief is what happens involuntarily to you when a death or a loss or something that you are attached to is no longer. And the way that she said it, which I love, she was like, grief is what happens involuntarily when something that you're attached to is severed from you. And I mean, just feel that grief is what happens involuntarily to you, to your body, to your mind, to your spirit, when something that you're attached to is severed from you. And mourning is how you deal with the grief. And so we don't have a grief problem. We have like, we don't have the language and the, and we don't allow ourselves to really truly mourn because grief happens regardless. And, and we do know that like, we, we do have some very, very specific ways of how we can actually allow grief not to happen, right? Like we can try to drown it with drugs, alcohol, sex, work, all of those different addictions and things that we turn towards to not experience it or to distract ourselves from it or to truly prolong it. And, um, what I think of is in 2005, I was like a year sober and everything started to happen with my brother. And this was one of, I mean, I just had so much trauma in my life and so many insane events, but this was something that I truly wasn't prepared for. And I had a year of sobriety to start to face myself and face the things that I was running away from, that I was drowning myself in alcohol and drugs with and other behaviors. And when this happened, it was like um, a time of being faced with God, with my spirituality up to that point, with my family spirituality up to that point, with so many, so many dilemmas came about. And I was just like, if this is my life, I'm going to drink because I don't want to deal with this. Like we thought that a certain outcome was going to happen. And we had so much hope and so much faith. We did all of these prayer circles and all of these things. And my brother still was sentenced at that time. I still believe that he will be freed and justice will be served. But he was served at that time with life in prison in which he has been in for a murder he did not commit for the last 15 or so years. And so I was like, fuck this. I am so angry. Like I literally would think about driving my car over the people who lied on my brother. And so I wasn't in a good space mentally, but that is grief. Like that is grief. I was angry. My brother was definitely something that I was attached to his life, the goodness, his freedom attached to it. And that was severed in that moment. Also, God, as I was in relationship with him, God is in, in the way that my mom was in relationship with him. My brothers was in relationship with him, her, it, goddess. But at the time it was God as he. And so 
so many things were severed. My community that I grew up with and the projects of Franklin severed. So many things severed all at once. Traumatic, traumatic, traumatic. And so to prolong that, I started to drink. And I mean, like, my life got insane right from the moment that I started to drink again. And the thing was, is that finally, two years after doing that and being in that cycle, I realized that I'm going to kill myself or like I have to face this and I have to figure it out. And that's when I found one of my, what I, I mean, I've had very many, many spiritual teachers, but at this time, one that really supported and changed the trajectory of my life, I met Atana, which is in my book and we addressed my anger and my grief and really worked on that. So um, and then here I am getting ready to celebrate 13 years clean and sober. And it's an evolution because my brother isn't dead. He's in prison serving a sentence that he doesn't need to be serving. And so it's, it's, it's in how to move through that, how to be empowered in that, how to fight for his freedom, how to stand in hope and how to continue to live my life and not um, have like victim survival stuff going on. So that was like my journey. And, and now it's like, it's ever evolving. So there are many processes that I went through in that and, um, in not running away, really, truly being able to face it. And so we, in this time right now that we're in, and this is always death, as I said, is always constant. And a lot of time, our lack of making space for mourning or acknowledging grief creates so many subset issues within our bodies, within our fields, and they turn into sickness of the mind, sickness of the body, sickness of the spirit. And so I really do believe in the reprieve. I really do believe in the beauty of death. I really do believe in the celebration of of life and what brings the most pain because we have grief, we have mourning, but what brings the most pain is when we um, when we hold on to our ideas of how something should have happened, or we hold on to, um, we fight against reality, right? The reality is that my friend is dead. The reality is, is that she overdosed on, on drugs. The reality is, is that I didn't know that she was using. The reality is, is that she's not here. She's no longer here. And so when I fight, like she shouldn't have overdosed. My friend should still be here. My friend should not be dead. My friend should not be dead. My friend should not be dead. Then that creates so much more pain in my being than moving towards the reality and honoring her and honoring my feelings and honoring that process. Does that make sense? Because when we move in the way of fighting reality, it creates so much more pain. But when we move in the way of turning towards reality and embracing it, and it doesn't mean that it's like this hallelujah, it means that it is painful. There is pain here. It will last however long it needs to, but we're not fighting reality. We're honoring how we feel. We're honoring the transition of life. We're honoring, we're honoring it all. And we're honoring the trust that, okay, this was, this was the last page in this chapter, in this life. For this person. And that can be a really hard pill to swallow. 
And in this time of all of these people dying and some people are like, oh, this many people die all the time. And some people are very keen to the fact. And I want to say, wake up. It's not okay (laughs) that we're okay with just like thousands of people dying per day, hundreds of people dying per day to where we're just like, oh, whatever, because it's not like a family member or something like that. That's not okay. That's being desensitized to the reality of death, being desensitized to your own grief. We are collective. We are of one. So if all of these people are dying, we absolutely need to be present to it and not to the form of being weighed down by it, but by allowing space for mourning, by being just mindful and aware of like, okay, I'll light a candle for the people who died today you know, whatever it is. And something that I also agreed with is that we don't really have, we haven't really been historically attached to the rites of passage with death. And um, I have more so gotten familiar with my families. Like when my grandma died, I got to see how we, like after she passed, she was dead, lifeless in her bed at home And the family was trickling in and coming in. And we spent like hours with her body afterwards. Um, And I had never really experienced that before in my family. And I worked with a client that is of Hindu background and the fast and all of that that they go on. So it's like, figure out what your family's heritage is and your lineage is and don't appropriate other people's passages and rites of passage for death. Um, because there is a lot of appropriation that's going on in the world. So digging into your roots, into your truth of how you want to make space for mourning and then teach your, your kids, your family, your significant other to do the same because it's imperative. So I think that that will really support us in this time is, is acknowledging the fact that grief is present, acknowledging the fact that We are here in this world, in this time right now, and many people are leaving and acknowledging that, giving honor to that, making space for that, and allowing space for mourning on our individual basis and allowing other people to have the space of mourning. And that, like our inability to know how to mourn and to be with grief then creates this ripple effect of us not knowing how to be with other people. And then that creates that conversation of, it's been a week, it's been six months, it's been a year, it's been two years, it's been five years. Why are you still on this? Why are you not over this yet? You know, this is not normal. What's wrong with you? And so then when we cry or if we feel sad by something, it's like, oh man, we start to have those internal dialogues of what's wrong with me? Why am I still grieving this? They died, she died, he died a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because grief does come in waves. It doesn't mean that we have to live there, but it does come in waves. And when we experience it, we allow it and we allow the same space for other people. And may we always do what we need to do to allow people to have the feelings that they have. And it may not be pretty because when my friend Brooke died, it was not pretty. And I talk about like, I didn't allow space for it. I moved. I had to, you know, no, it, it happened. It definitely did happen. I think of like taking a month off and going into the mountains. It's like taking time for it. But I absolutely did. You know, when she passed away after her funeral, I had to go right to a conference in Texas with 
hundreds and hundreds of people, very social thing. And I was just in the car. We drove, I drove how many ever hours from Nashville to San Antonio, Texas, which felt like forever in a car filled with people who I wasn't that good of friends with, wasn't that close with, but I didn't feel like talking to anyone. I was very silent. I was very much so dealing with my own thing and um, didn't feel like being around all these people. And so I found one friend, her name was Brittany from New York, that we just like ran off and did our own thing because I was not in the mood to be celebratory and to be around hundreds of people. And that was a way in which I honored my, my grief and my mourning in that time. And then so many other things transitioned and shifted for me in that. So grief is definitely a part of life. As long as we are breathing in these bodies, we will have the experience of grief. It is our responsibility to learn how to honor the mourning period and to honor our feelings and to honor those of others. <sighs> so taking a deep breath as we take all of that in. All right, my loves. Let me know your thoughts on this, your feelings on this. I definitely want to hear from you. I want this to be as interactive as possible. And you can message me on any of my social medias or you can email me at shaunaspeaks at gmail.com. Be blessed. Remember that you are holy, holy, and innocent. Till next time. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and feel free to share it on your social media platforms. You can tag me in it. If it's on Instagram, I am at I am Shauna, S-H-A-U-N-N-A underscore Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. And if you would like to check out my offerings and the other resources that are available to you, you can go to my website at www.mystical, minister, M-I-N-I-S-T-E-R.com. And I have a 90-day program where I work with people. I have my Mystical Rebel Academy where you can take classes from me. And I also do individual sessions with people either in person or remotely. So there are many ways that we can work together in the world. And I look forward to seeing you guys out there in the real world. Take care.